Hey everybody, I'm Mike McDonald. My buddy Jesse Stratton loves some of the cheesiest movies ever made. He spent years telling me about them all, so now I'm finally watching these movies for the very first time. This is our podcast where we break those movies down together. This is the Celluloid Dumpster Fire. Hey everybody, welcome back. We got an interesting movie to discuss this time. Today we're talking about the 1987 direct-to-video sci-fi horror film, Uninvited. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. This is a story of a laboratory cat, a group of 20-somethings on spring break, and a shady businessman. This is like a classic B-movie. Like yes, one of the, the the top, I say top ten, top twelve, definitely, just for like who's in it and the concept, because it it is like a uh, Scooby Doo script where they just they cut out the cartoon dog, they replace it with a fucking killer cat, and then just <laughs> people fuck around in front of a camera, and then a killer cat comes out. Yeah, because this is direct to video, we have no budget numbers, but it looks like it was made on a Charles Band or Lloyd Kaufman type budget of cheese sandwiches and Kool-Aid with the promise of a trip to Golden Corral for the rap party. A lot of Kool-Aid. A lot of Kool-Aid wouldn't <laughs> make this movie. <laughs> What's interesting, though, is uh, Graydon Clark, the writer and director of this movie, did not allow alcohol on his set at all. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot weird. of drinking in this movie, but none of it's yeah. real. You usually have to drink to get through one of his movies. So, yeah, it, it does seem like a weird thing to have on a set. Yeah. yeah, some of his movies are, I mean, they Green Clark films are like peak exploitation. He's like up there, you know? Right. So and, here's uh, what happened. Three good friends, Graydon Clark, George Kennedy, and Joe Don Baker got together and said, let's make some shitty movies because we can and because it's fun. And that's what they did. Yeah. Uh, well, along with uh, Nicholas von Stenberg, uh, you know, their go-to cinematographer. This movie looks like Graydon Clark wanted to make a sci-fi horror film, but couldn't stop himself from making an exploitation film dressed up as a sci-fi horror film. Yeah. I just don't know what in the mind of a person would have a cat, which is already like a small animal, right? Right. Have another animal inside of it that kills people when it's afraid. Yeah. I, the guy just That's does not movie. like cats, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's weird because as a cat lover, I, I fucking love this movie. It's pretty weird. Right. Just I in, mean, throughout the entire movie, throughout this entire movie, the cat is always justified. Yeah. The cat never kills anybody who didn't have it coming. In fact, uh, the cat's kind of like not even a bad guy. The cat's kind of like a good guy. The bad yeah, guy exactly. is like the dirty businessman. Just right. like in a Scooby-Doo episode. Yeah. Everybody that the cat kills is an asshole. Pretty much, yeah. Movie was written and directed by Graydon Clark. He started as an actor in lowbrow exploitation films for Grade Z director Al Adamson. Yeah. In- including the horrible 1971 film Dracula versus Frankenstein. <laughs> he wrote and directed Black Shampoo, Psychic Killer, Star Games, 
Final Justice with Joe Don Baker. And his last directing work was two episodes of the 1997 TV series Mike Hammer Private Eye, which starred Stacey Keach and was a reboot of the 1984 The New Adventures of Mike Hammer, also starring Stacey Keach. And that was a reboot of the 1958 TV series Mike Hammer, starring Darren McGavin. Mike Hammer is really popular, man. <laughs> yeah. So this guy uh, kind of wrapped up the reboot of a reboot. Interesting career there. He did joysticks. He did joysticks, yes. Yeah, which is like, it's Porky's, but in an arcade in the 80s. Nice. Yeah, it's got Mark Hamill in it. It's fucking weird as shit. It's got Kim Milford. <laughs> it, it, it sounds it, bizarre. It is a really bizarre movie. It's like, you know, when we'd be, oh, you're just throwing yourself at fucking the Star Wars kid? Really? <laughs> but yeah, no. Cinematographer was our old friend Nicholas Joseph von Sternberg. He is best known for Dolomite and Petey Wheatstraw, which we talked about way back in November of 2021 on Great episode movie. 24. Great movie. We're going to... We're going to revisit a lot of folks in this movie. Mm, yep. He was Graydon Clark's go-to guy ever since they worked together on the 1982 horror comedy Wacko. That one's also got George Kennedy in it. He worked as a cinematographer for the entire run of Mike Hammer Private Eye, the short-lived Air America TV series that was canceled mid-season. And Death Drug, about a singer played by Philip Michael Thomas. This was several years before Miami Vice. Yeah. Whose fame and success leads to an addiction to PCP. That movie is fucking crazy. <laughs> it, it's like they try to do an after school uh, special uh, on like, you know, like that. But uh, right. Everybody was on substances when they made the movie. Okay. And it has this classic scene where, like, Philip Thomas Michael, like, loses his shit in a supermarket. It's it's a crazy movie. <laughs> it's not for everyone, but I've no, seen it. No, I guess not. Yeah, no, it's a crazy movie. Special effects for the cat were done by Debbie and Jim Bolden. Apparently, they got much better at this because they made animals for Loaded Weapon 1. Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah, that talking cat, that was them. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They did Scary Movie 2, The Scorpion King, and three episodes of The Office. Remember that episode where Dwight starts a fire in the wastebasket in The Office and Angela has to throw her cat up into the ceiling? That's easy. Yeah, I remember that. That was awesome. That rhino scene in ace ventura yeah that's that's classic that's like a meme worthy fucking thing right there special makeup effects this is where they spent some money oh yeah this was done by alan apone he is known for faces of death one and two one of our favorite movies galaxy of terror that was episode 40 of our podcast he also worked on Friday the 13th, Part 3, The Return of the Living Dead, The Invaders from Mars. Go back and listen to episode 45 for that one. Miami Vice, Chud 2, Bud the Chud. Great movie. 
He worked on Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, Star Trek Enterprise, Star Trek Nemesis, Coneheads, and a whole bunch of Marvel movies. Guys, a man is legit. Yeah. Musical director Tom Gunn. I mention him because the score for this movie is horrible, suspenseful piano music practically nonstop. Oh, man. it's They make the soundtrack tinny, you know? Yes. Like, really tinny. So you're on edge. Not of, like your seat, but of your nerves, like the entire movie. That Yes. And, like, they got a, a piano sound, like, that's on a keyboard that they just play over and over again. Whenever yep. the cat's on the screen, it's like, meow, meow, meow. And then it's, like, piercing. Ding, 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 ding. Like, piano music. Exactly. It's, oh, God. It's atmospheric, but, like, in a wrong way, you know? It's like, uh, I don't know, some kind of Chinese torture or some shit. Tom Gunn is best known for this film, as well as Frogtown 2, the sequel to Hell Comes to Frogtown that we discussed in episode 19. Except the role of Sam Hell is not played by Roddy Piper. Instead, it's Robert Zadar, who we saw in Samurai Cop in episode 65. Look at that guy's chin, man. Man, it's like half his body is chin. Yeah, no. It looks like a <laughs> Seth MacFarlane drawing or some shit. He also was uh, involved in the sound department for Dead Women in Lingerie. Ugh. Movie stars George Kennedy as Mike Harvey. George Kennedy, of course, was a fantastic character actor with 188 film and TV credits from 1956 until 2014, just two years before he died. Credits include uh. Cool Hand Luke, Airport, the Naked Gun franchise, and just about every single TV Western. This is a, a cool thing about George Kennedy. Yeah. You, this is how you can actually tell he worked on this movie. If if George Kennedy is wearing a hat, he's not working in that movie. All right. And if it's a fisherman's hat, he's probably not even standing while he's reading his line. Okay. <laughs> so if, if you see George, if you see him in a hat, he's not working. He's just like doing something for a paycheck, helping a brother out. But if it's a fishing hat, watch. He's not He's not even standing. I swear. <laughs> well, apparently he was working in this one. Oh, yeah. We have Alex Cord as Walter Graham. This guy is a former rodeo cowboy because he was too tall to be a jockey. <laughs> and seriously. And he got into acting in 1961 using the name Alex Viespi. He appeared in a string of westerns and cop dramas in the 1960s and 70s. He played Archangel on the TV series Airwolf with Jan Michael Vincent and Ernest Borgnine. Go back and listen to the episode about Manborg for Jan Michael Vincent. Not Manborg. Alienator. That's it. Oh, uh, yeah. I was like, we ain't done Manborg yet. Have we done Manborg? Oh, yeah, we did Manborg. It was one of the early ones. Okay. He also appeared in Freddy's Nightmares, Kung Fu, The Legend Continues, and Walker, Texas Ranger. Because why not? <laughs> One of your favorite actors, Jesse. Lou cool. Gulliger as Albert. Yeah. Oh, man, dude. I ain't even going, because he's like, what, been in like a couple movies now with us? Uh, this is the second one. Okay. Well, he should be in more, because this guy's fucking awesome. I love this guy, everything. Yeah, every time he comes on TV or something, like, uh, like a Murder, She Wrote episode, you know, you're like, oh, Clue Gallagher, he's he's the bad guy. If he's in the credits, he's the bad guy. Yeah. Clue Gallagher um, had a very different uh, opinion of acting. For him, it was his job. A lot of actors 
see it as their art, but for him, it's a job. Uh, he was a character actor from 1955 until his death just last year in 2022. Appears in Feast, which was our very second episode. Very second. That's, that's an interesting way to choose to say that. And the rest of the Feast franchise. He was in The Return of the Living Dead, Piranha 3 D, Knight Rider, Airwolf, and Children of the Corn Runaway. Oh, man. Piranha 3 D is fucking great. His, his kid directed that one, too. Okay. Well, his kid directed Feast also. Oh, yeah. There's some, apparently just in the credits, there's movies we need to add to our list, Jesse. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Just one of those movies where it's like you get a bingo card, right? Yes. And Clue Gallagher's in the middle. He's a free spin, right? And everything (laughs) else is going to line up on like an episode of something we did. Yeah. Tony Hudson as Rachel. She appeared in Places in the Heart and Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. That one's a crazy one. Claire Carey as Bobby. This is her second role after debuting in 1987's Zombie High. She was mainly a TV character actor who appeared in Mr. Belvedere, Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, Walker, Texas Ranger, Stargate SG-1, Grey's Anatomy, Boston Legal, and all of the 20 teens cop procedurals. Damn, that's hefty. Yep. Rep you got there. Sherry Shattuck. As Suzanne, she's she appeared in Spy Hard, Silk Stockings, Babylon 5, On Deadly Ground, and 146 episodes of The Young and the Restless. Yeah, she was great back in the day, man. I remember back in the 90s. And Rob Estes as Corey. He went on to recurring roles and main cast roles in Melrose Place, Beverly Hills 90210, and Silk Stockings. The rest of the cast have appeared in shorts and other things that, you know, I've probably never heard of. And I'm not missing them, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Movie opens with spooky music in a high-rise office building. And we get opening credits. Doctors are examining an x-ray of a cat. There's something growing inside the cat. So they're going to do exploratory surgery, which they refer to callously as cutting it open (laughs) yeah man it looks like the opening scenes are like an industrial accident film right you know like it's really bad about oh uh, this is what we're gonna do you know step one procedure and it's just a bunch of guys in like um toxic suits you know chasing a cat they're just chasing a cat they're just chasing a cat it's boilerplate scientists are evil opening Presented as clips broken up by more opening credits. Yeah. The cat is a big, fluffy orange thing. This is the kind of cat that you just got to pick him up and cuddle him. Oh, yeah, it's a lap cat. Totally. Yep. But it sees the needle, and it just nopes right the fuck out of there. (laughs) Uh, This sets up the loudest, most annoying cat in the history of ever. As the scientists and inept security guards chase it through the stairwell. Because this cat does not stop howling. Yeah. That's what I was like. It's like someone's got a, a computer key and they're just like like yeah. holding it down and shit. It's like they gave me a soundboard. It's going to be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> like a morning DJ or some shit. Yeah. Well, they corner the cat in the stairwell and a guy in a fire protective suit yeah. is, is 
is trying to shoot. He shoots the cat with a tranquilizer dart and he's trying to scoop it into one of those cat carrier things. But when he does that, the cat's mouth opens up and this ugly rat like cat climbs out of the orange cat's mouth and kills the would be captors, splashing blood all over the signs on the wall. The scene, the scene where that cat comes out of that other cat is like, it's like a a trippy dream. It's really disturbing. They got a giant cat puppet and then someone forced their hand with a fucking cat puppet on it covered in like KY. Yeah. And they're coming out of its mouth and it looks so fucking weird and just like really bizarre. Yeah, it looks like some of those Muppet rats. Yeah, it don't even look like cat that comes out of the cat's mouth doesn't even look like a cat unless you count like newborn kittens or something. But yeah, it's fucking gross. Well, after the cat kills these guys, it escapes into the parking garage. So the scientists close the gate to the garage exit. The plan now is to kill the cat. And so they are stalking it through the garage Um, over by a motorcycle. You see a shadow, a silhouette of the fluffy cat with the killer cat come crawling out of its mouth. Yeah, the guy with the glasses and the gun. Yeah. That's the director of the movie. Okay. Yeah, and, and he does often make appearances in his own movies. Every, like almost every time, yeah. No. yeah. It's, kind it's of like Andy Sedaris. Yeah, but not as funny. It's usually like, why was that <laughs> scene in the movie? That doesn't make any sense. With Andy Sedaris, at least it's funny. Yeah, it's gonna get a chuckle out, even if it's like a bad joke. It's gonna be, you know, uh-huh. this is like just <laughs> I'm gonna be in a movie. Yeah, exactly. It's my movie. I'm gonna be in it. <laughs> Give me the gun. <laughs> it's my movie. Well, off camera, the cat kills one of the security guards, so the doctor shoots the wall where the cat used to be. Yeah. As the doctor stalks the cat through the garage, the cat climbs up on a car and goes into the car through the sunroof and then when the doctors buy that car the cat jumps out through the sunroof and attacks the doctor presumably killing him then the cat pries open a ventilation uh duct and escapes from the garage meanwhile bobby and suzanne are dressed in bikinis and pretty revealing cover-ups and they're sitting outside a fancy hotel when a drunken guy just stumbles into him and dumps his drink right down her front. <laughs> Spring break. Woo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Doesn't even stop, man. Oh, yeah. No, dump your drinks on me, asshole. That's great. Oh, they head inside the hotel. They don't have reservations at any hotel, but they're looking for a place where they can just rest for a minute because they've been partying on the beach all day. Yeah, but they go. That, that's cool if you go to like a fucking... Ramada if you go to a Hampton Inn, that's fine. Or even a Motel 6, they'll let you hang out there, no problem. But if you go into the uh, Ritz-Carlton or something, they're going to they're gonna shut that down. Yeah, this place is like Casa de Swanky. They got like fucking glass palm trees or some shit in the fucking room, you know? And it's like <laughs> giant pillars and shit, you know? And there's like fucking, uh, I don't know, Agatha Christie novel-like type furniture and shit. It's right. a nice place. This is no like you know beach bum resort. Well, the manager is not having it, and he wants him to leave. That's when Mister Graham comes out to the uh, second floor balcony and lets the manager know that those ladies are with him. 
And the manager apologizes, saying that he thought they were part of the college scum. And yeah, they are. Uh-huh. Well, Walter Graham invites the girls to dinner. Meanwhile, the cat is outside the hotel when Mike and Albert arrive in a white limousine. Mike and Albert are there to pick Walter up for a meeting. So Walter invites Bobby and Suzanne to a party on his yacht at midnight that night. Walter, Mike, and Albert leave for the parking garage, or leave the parking garage in the limo. They got out of the limo out front. They got back in the limo in the parking garage. Yeah. I, I don't, maybe that's the, like, shittiest, like, uh, it's like, yeah, a guy got in the car and drove it. So, like, they just drove it and left it in the parking garage. You come back out, your shit's not there. What is that? And there are enough continuity issues in this movie that eventually you just kind of accept that the timeline's all fucked up. Mm-hmm. Any movie where they go somewhere just to go somewhere else, that's that's a fucked up yeah. movie. Well, as the limo backs out of the parking space, the cat is lying on the ground next to the wall where the limo was parked. Out on his yacht, Walter and the boys are meeting with Daryl. Daryl is nervous because the SEC is close to busting their insider trading scheme. Walter's not nervous, and Daryl says, of course you're not. You've got enough money to pay the fines. I don't have money to pay the fines. And that's when Mike brings out one of those metal briefcases, the kind that guy in a black suit usually has handcuffed to his wrist. And he opens it up, and there's bundles of $100 bills. There's a million dollars in the suitcase, and there's two more suitcases. (laughs) So, no problem. I got you. They head out to the hot tub, and this is when we find out that, you know, even though Walter just went to the trouble of basically giving Daryl a million dollars in cash, he's not going to take any chance. And he's going to kill Daryl because he doesn't want Daryl to make a deal with the SEC to testify against him. So because Walter wants Daryl to be, wants to be sure Daryl's not going to talk, Albert drowns Daryl in the hot tub. As soon as Daryl is dead, Walter instructs Albert to get everything ready for the party. Get all this cleaned up. The party starts an hour and a half. Suddenly, it's afternoon the next day. Magic. A man is feeding and petting the cat outside a gas station. Another guy walks up to him and asks if he has change for the cigarette machine. Remember cigarette machines? Holy crap. I actually do, yeah. I've seen a couple of them in the wild, like not too long ago. Weird. Yeah. I remember when the cigarette machines only took like 75 cents to get a pack of cigarettes. I remember when they were in like Shoney's, man. Oh, yeah. They were everywhere. Yeah, no. Like every restaurant had one in the front lobby. Sh- every restaurant in the lobby. They were in the the gas stations. They were in the barber shop. Everywhere. The guy says, yeah, I'll get you changed for the cigarette machine. And that's when uh, the fellow who walked up to him punches the gas station attendant, knocking him out, and takes his keys. (laughs) He runs inside the gas station, supposedly empties the cash register, and gets into his truck to make his getaway, but not before the cat, who is upset over his friend getting beat up, jumps into the bed of the truck. Going down the road in their shiny red pickup truck, The robber and his partner are laughing about their successful robbery. It's like they couldn't remember lines, or maybe there weren't lines, so they just took turns laughing. No, yeah, if you don't have a name in this movie, you're just making your lines up. Yeah, and as they're laughing, taking turns laughing, the evil cat 
crashes through the back window of the truck and attacks the driver in some of the worst puppetry of the entire movie. Oh, yeah. Because the puppet's pretty big and completely stiff. And because it's so big, they have to turn it sideways to get it through the back window of the truck. And you can totally see somebody's arm going up this cat's ass. Yeah. They don't even try to get it out of the shot. (laughs) Plus, it looks like... It don't even look like the cat. It looks like some like stuffed animal that they found in like a storage unit. Yeah. It's like it's all messed up and matty and shit. Yeah. It wasn't even put in a box. It was put in a trash bag and thrown in the corner. <laughs> so yeah, it goes from like looking like a normal cat to like a fucking cracked out fucking teddy bear or some shit. <laughs> well, the, uh, the truck drives off the road and rolls over without exploding. Uh, it was a nice, shiny, bright red truck when it was driving down the road. It's a rust bucket with most of the paint sanded off of it when it goes off the road. Oh, yeah, no. And, and, and the final two uh, rollovers, and that truck completely falls the fuck apart. Oh, yeah. Like the, the rubber ceiling just starts coming off and stuff. It's like everything's just like, <laughs> oh, you know what? I'm tired. I'm gone. Cut to Lance and Corey at the marina enjoying spring break in Fort Lauderdale. Lance wants to go to the beach, but Corey says the beach is for riffraff to meet a classy woman. You hang out at the marina. That's when Bobby and Suzanne arrive. They join Lance and Corey for some coffee. Uh, apparently they just met these guys and they're going to sit down and tell them all about what happened last night. Yeah. And this is where you get, we, you think is like kind of like the core group, you know? And, and right. so it's like, it is, it's pretty much Scooby-Doo, two guys, two girls and a cat puppet. Pretty much. Versus yeah. whoever the fuck we just saw murder a guy. Yeah. No. Martin shows up. And Bobby is explaining that they met Walter Graham the night before. Lance is super excited. Walter Graham is his hero, apparently. (laughs) All these strangers are suddenly best buddies. And uh, Bobby and Suzanne invite the guys to join them on Walter's yacht for a cruise to the Caribbean. And possibly and the possibility of swimming nude. They're like talking. It's like, oh, guess what we did last night? And I don't know what. And like, we went partying on a rich guy's boat. And then they immediately start grabbing these guys' legs. Yeah, this happens never, you know, what the fuck? Right. I mean, it happens if you pay for the girlfriend experience, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah, like it might happen in a hotel bar, but, you know. (laughs) Walter's limo arrives at the marina. The girls are not on board yet. and Mike thinks that's just fine. They need to leave before they get there because young broads are a pain in the ass. Why you put them on the boat? Old broads are a pain in the ass, too, according to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, as Bobby, Suzanne, and the three guys arrive, they hear the cat meowing from inside a trash can. Suzanne immediately adopts the cat, which is wearing a collar, explaining that it escaped from a genetics laboratory. Also, Martin is a total fucking nerd. Yeah, when they were at the thing, and they meet these, there was only two guys. They right. get to the boat dock. There's a third guy that's like just a sad sack. Yeah. Well, they head off with the cat, which will not shut up. Meow, 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 meow. Constantly. Just lay off the soundboard. I don't know. It's, it's on screen. I have to, like, you know, let people know <laughs> the cat's there <laughs> by pressing this button 87 times. Well, Lance is worried that he's going to get seasick when they get on this boat that's supposed to ferry them out to the yacht. 
but Corey and Suzanne convince him to go anyway. Lance gets on the boat and immediately pukes over the side. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been seasick, and I hope I never am. It happened to me one time, but yeah. I mean, I get how it happens, and you know that's just how how the inner ear and balance works. But I hope I never have to experience it. On the yacht, Rachel is planning their course while Walter leers at her. The entire crew quit because Walter's a jerk, and Rachel wants the yacht because it used to be her dad's until Walter took it from him. He says he'll give it to her if she'll be nice to him. And of course, be nice means get naked, you know. Well, Walter meets the guys that Bobby and Suzanne invited, and he is, he's, no, get fuck off my boat. Yeah, straight up. I didn't invite you. I don't know you. I don't like you. Get off my boat. We're out at sea, man. We just get off the boat now, you know? Yeah. Walter tells the guy that uh, their shuttle back to the marina is just arriving. And, and here comes the boat that brought him out there. And it's got Albert. Albert is upset about something. It turns out the SEC is getting a warrant to search the boat. And the guys, everybody needs to leave right now. Rachel says they can't leave immediately without a crew. And that's when Bobby convinces Walter to keep the guys on as crew. Won't even have to pay them. So they get ready to head to the Cayman. And Walter wants the cat gone. But Suzanne convinces him to let her, let her keep the cat. Well, the guys are below deck cleaning up after last night's party, which left food and bikinis scattered all over the place. Bobby and Suzanne turn on the stereo and start dancing as Corey tosses food at the cat, causing it to run off. Of course. Yep. And Lance feels sorry for for whoever has to clean up the trashed yacht. That's when Walter and Mike arrive to let Lance know, yeah, you're cleaning up the yacht. (laughs) <laughs> you're the crew crew yep uh, mike has some tasks for them uh, apparently martin is the cook lance is the busboy and dishwasher and Corey is the maid cut to walter and mike out on the deck mike is really nervous but walter is convinced they're gonna be fine they just need to get to the caymans it's friday we'll be at the caymans by monday we can get our money out of the bank and we'll be rich, and we'll go buy ourselves a country somewhere. Dude. Yeah, buy a country. They said the loud part out loud, or the quiet part out loud. <laughs> they did. Oh, and by the way, the cat is in the engine room doing cat things. Making cat sounds constantly. Constant. Even when it's by itself, nobody around. Cats don't fucking do that. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, also, like a cat like that uh, turns into a fucking killer monster. When it's yeah. afraid and it goes into the scariest, loudest room on the boat, which is then exactly. you know, that. I... Yeah, it's very uncat like behavior. Yeah. Cut to Albert and Rachel on the bridge. Albert is a wreck. And Rachel's trying to get him to steer the boat, but he's he's doing everything but he's just going nuts. He moves a lever that causes noises in the engine room for some reason, and the evil cat emerges. And just starts ripping wires apart. <laughs> He's just going to fuck up the whole boat engine. That shit was so funny when the, the cat does that shit. Meanwhile, the guys are in the galley cleaning up after the previous night's party. The women enter 
and announce that they hope that Martin can cook because they certainly cannot. Then they start complaining about the heat and unbuttoning their blouses. They they don't actually undress because this is a PG-13 movie. Yeah. They just want you to think they're going to, and it's so hot. That's, uh, that's one of the reasons why this one was a, a staple, like uh, USA Up All Night, because yeah. it presses right up to the thing, and then it like, immediately yanks it away. And then, yes. oh, here's a greasy puppet in the basement. Even so, even the even the horror parts of this uh, are, are yeah. all build up and no payoff. Yeah, it's it's tension. That music goes, camera angles. You get like a point of view out of the corner and shit, and you see a scared chick, and then bam, puppet. And but it's like it's this like the crappiest puppet, you know? Yeah, I mean it gets better. It gets better, but right now it kind of sucks. Yeah. Well, Bobby and Suzanne start making out with Lance and Corey because it's so hot. And Martin decides he's just going to leave. That night on the bridge, Albert is alone. He is grumpy until he finds a bottle of wine. Now he's drunk and off course. (laughs) Below deck, Walter is regaling the gang with stories as he eats a banana by the fire. Rachel and Martin are playing backgammon. The cat enters, and Suzanne picks him up and gives him some snuggles, because when a fat, fluffy cat enters the room, that's exactly what you're supposed to do. By law, man. Yes. Jesse and I are both cat people, unapologetically. So, there you go. Uh, Walter threatens to toss the cat overboard. I believe Walter's going to (laughs) die. Yeah. Walter is drunk and insulting as he asks Rachel why she prefers Martin. Over him, she says, because Walter's good, because Martin's got a brain. So what do you care about a brain? You're just a dumb broad. Yeah. Yeah, Walter's definitely going to die. I hate Walter. That's two strikes, man. Plus, he's got a mustache. Ah, strike three. Get out of (laughs) here. Rachel leaves to check on Albert as the party goes into high gear, and the cat is left meowing in a chair next to a plate of food that it never touches. So unrealistic. Yo, God, man. I, you know, I I have swallowed my disbelief in a bunch of movies. All right. But this this just not does not stand, man. This this did not doesn't track at all. <laughs> you cannot put food next to a cat without the cat immediately sticking his foot in it. I can't bring food into a room with a cat. Right? <laughs> Like, I got to eat outside in the bushes and shit, man. It's not, that's, yeah. <laughs> Up on the bridge, Albert is shit-faced and singing the Battle Hymn of the Republic for someone named Tammy Faye. <laughs> Tammy Faye Baker? I don't know. As, Possibly. I mean, as I mean, yeah, it was 88 or whatever, so. Yeah, possibly. These these girls today with their gigantic eyelashes knocking shit off the table every time they blink. They owe a debt to Tammy Faye Baker for starting that. Oh, yeah. Rachel arrives and kicks Albert out when she realizes they're off course. She has to figure out where they are now. This is pre-GPS, so who knows? (laughs) Albert is out on the deck drinking and stumbling around. He's looking for more wine, and he opens up a storage cooler where his wine is supposed to be, and there's the cat. Dun-dun-dun! The cat is near the wine, but Albert manages to sneak his bottle out, 
He asked the cat if the cat wants some and just spits wine into the cat's face. So evil cat emerges and kills Albert. Just launches up, latches onto his neck, and chomps away. One of the coolest kills in the movie. Yes. Back at the party, everybody's dancing or playing backgammon up on the deck. Albert is mutating. His neck is swelling up. Blood is pulsing out of a vein that ruptured on his neck. And he screams as he falls overboard. Mike thinks he heard something, so he leaves the backgammon game in progress to investigate. While Walter drunkenly joins the dancing. A minute later, Mike returns and calls Walter away. He tells Walter that Albert apparently hit his head and fell overboard because there's blood all over the place and Albert's gone. (laughs) Walter is worried not about Albert. He's worried that Rachel will want to stop and go back to look for Albert and that'll delay their arrival in the Cayman. Yeah, they're like, it's at night and shit, you know, so like, and then he's like, yeah, no, don't, don't worry about it. It's cool. And yeah. he's like, look at him. And he's like, and then immediately daytime and the chicks are at the pool. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Daytime. Yeah, they both. <laughs> like, Mike tells him, look, the best thing we can do is just pretend we didn't see anything and let her figure it out on her own. But we didn't see anything. Exactly. <laughs> it, yeah. yeah, just daytime. Next day, Bobby and Suzanne are poolside talking about the guys as Walter creepily spies on them from above. Walter is Walter's bad. Oh, yeah. Well, suddenly the yacht engine starts making this weird noise and shuts off. Rachel is immediately out on deck. She says she had to shut the engine down, owing the cat is back in the engine. Motherfucker cat is in the engine room. (laughs) Well, Rachel discovers that Albert fell overboard, and Martin finds a scrap of cloth, a piece of Albert's shirt with blood on it, near where Albert was killed. Rachel wants to go back and look for Albert, but Walter needs to get to the Caymans to get his money. And once he does that, he will give Rachel the yacht, because he won't want it anymore. They explain they can't spend a lot of time looking for Albert because they will never find the body because Albert couldn't swim. So Rachel decides to keep going, but she's going to make a record of this in her logbook. Martin arrives and asks if Rachel has a sextant. He is going to improvise a microscope to examine a piece of Albert's shirt. Nerd. (laughs) (laughs) There's blood on it, but somehow there's too much blood on it. Not really sure I understand that. Yeah, no. Cut to Bobby doing sexy aerobics as Walter Lear's. He tells Bobby he's going to be very rich as the cat makes so much noise in his room. Uh, yeah. Just to establish that the cat's in the room, they put the camera on the cat. Yeah. The cat's not, not moving. Calm as cat can be. But as soon as he steps in this room, it's like, but yeah, the fucking cat doorbell goes off again. Yeah, the cat hates this guy. And I don't blame the cat. Well, Walter starts groping Bobby. He is ready for sexy time, whether she likes it or not. And she can give him some, or he'll throw her off the boat. Damn. He says, we're, we're out in the middle of the ocean. How am I going to leave the boat? He says, we got a lifeboat. Lance comes in, and he tries to stop Walter from attacking Bobby, but Mike appears and shoots Lance in the shoulder. Damn. Yeah, just boom. Walter says that Lance jumped him, so Mike is going to kill Lance right there in the living room. Corey arrives, and he wrestles Mike for the gun. Mike ends up dropping the gun. 
He beats down Corey and then goes to retrieve the gun that he dropped when the evil cat comes out from under the sofa and attacks Mike's ankle, ripping through his leather shoe and Mike's ankle. Totally blood-soaked sock, man. Yeah, blood-soaked sock. And it's fucking weird because he he does this weird little foot move to, like, extremely tell you that he's getting the gun from underneath the couch or whatever where it slid. Yeah. And when he comes around and the camera comes around on the other side, it immediately cats like sunk into his ankle. Yeah. Man, one of my cat does that all the time. He will, he will, I cannot walk across the room without him just reaching out and grabbing the cuff <laughs> of my pants. Oh, no, we had one. And if you wore flat uh, flip flops, it went crazy. It, it hated <laughs> flip flops. So my ex wife, she would get it. <laughs> that was your favorite cat, wasn't it? <laughs> no, my favorite cat was the. Uh, uh, you know, that was Tom. Tom's always going to be my favorite. But yeah, we had like three cats. Yeah. Well, Mike shoots at the cat, but he misses and the cat runs out. So he takes the final shot at Lance and then passes out. Cut to Rachel treating Lance's shoulder while Martin tries to figure out what happened to Mike. Mike keeps saying, it was the cat. It was the cat. The cat can't tear through leather. You're crazy. (laughs) Rachel is going to radio for medical assistance, but Walter shows up and tries to put a stop to that. And nothing can delay him getting to the Caymans. Rachel tries to radio for help anyway, so Walter shoots the radio. But apparently there was a backup radio, so he just rips that one apart too. Then he orders Rachel to start the engine and get moving to the Caymans. He threatens to shoot Suzanne unless Rachel complies. So Rachel agrees, but the engine won't start. Walter shoves Rachel out of the way, and he's going to try to start it. It won't start for him either. So Rachel blasts him with the fire extinguisher, which causes him to drop the gun. Suzanne picks up the gun and points it at Walter. Rachel says, I'm going to go try to fix this engine. And if he moves, shoot his balls off. (laughs) Below decks, Mike is bandaged up but moaning in pain. Martin explains that the cat is poisonous and causes mutations. Bobby's trying to explain how the cat attacked, but she finishes every sentence with, I don't know. Yeah. The cat attacked him. I don't know. I guess it just tore into his ankle. I don't know. Great exposition there, lady. Uh, Yeah. Wow. Dudes on the couch with like cat scratch fever legitimately. Exactly. uh, Doing the crappiest like, ooh, I got a fever acting you can imagine. Yeah. Just, ooh, I got a fever. I'm so fever filled. Oh, man, I'm so sick. Now, Suzanne, who is holding a gun on Walter on the bridge, is also down here? Yeah, I don't know. And it seemed like just like an extra girl appeared. But like the two blonde girls look so similar that I guess there were three all along. The the movie comes unraveled at this point. No, it's Suzanne because Walter's down here, too. Yeah. And Corey has the gun now. Uh, Mike's leg is starting to pulse. These were really good effects. Yeah, I like those. Uh, This has to be the result of experiments that were done on the cat in the lab. Well, a vein bursts in Mike's leg and the blood just starts shooting out of it. And his chest starts bulging like we're going to see an alien-style chest burster. But we are denied any payoff. Instead, Mike just falls dead. Oh, man, it was lame, too. And the way they fade out is just like a flag kind of like blows in the wind and goes to the next scene. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. The next scene, they have a bundled, very stiff body, and they are tossing it overboard. It's like they wrapped a sheet around some kind of flotation device and just tossed it off. Yep. Well, Corey and Rachel lock Walter in his cabin. That night, the cow, the cat is lounging in the engine room. Suzanne is on deck with a flare gun, scanning with binoculars for any sign of a ship or an airplane. Bobby is with Lance when uh, she is startled by a sound in the closet. What's that sound in the closet? <laughs> in, a, in, in, a, in a horror movie where the killer is a cat that's inside another cat, you're going to ask the question, what's that sound in the closet? Well, she goes to investigate and Lance, Lance has her covered with the beam of light from his flashlight. Like he's going to laser this fucker or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> she opens up the closet and there's nothing in there but sneakers and dirty socks. Dun, dun, dun. Wah, wah. <laughs> well, Martin and Rachel are in the engine room fixing the destroyed wiring as Rachel explains how her dad lost the yacht to Walter. Meanwhile, Corey is talking to Walter. Walter gives Corey a Rolex and shows him the suitcases full of cash in the wall safe. He gives Corey a bundle of $100 bills and offers him a lot more money if he'll help him get to the Caymans faster. And Corey is in. I want Corey dead now, too. Yeah. You mean Martin the preppy just... guy with the stupid haircut's a bad guy now? Who the fuck? Yeah, it? exactly. Well, Martin discovers that any food the cat comes in contact is poisonous. I don't know how he figured it out, but he said it. So, yeah. Cut to Suzanne getting undressed when she hears a meow from somewhere. It, it was Corey. Yeah. That was fun. That was a funny payoff to the fucking uh, the uh, closet gag. Yes. Well, Suzanne is scared, and she and Corey offers to stay and protect her. And Suzanne thinks that's a great idea, and she's willing to do anything to keep him there. And they fall on the bed and make out. Next day, Martin and Rachel are on the bridge. They are trying to start the engine, but it still won't start. They are stranded at sea. Lance says his shoulder is better. But for some reason, he has no feeling at all in his arm. And he just picks his hand up and lets it drop. <laughs> See? It's, it's like there's nothing there. We used to do that when we were seven. Well, I mean, now just people like look shit up in WebMD and it's like, oh, I'm dying. <laughs> like, oh, no, my arm's totally. See, look, look, I can't do it. Yeah. Uh, nothing's changed. Yep. Well, Bobby says she's got a cure for him, a sexy cure. <laughs> and they make out with the wet, sloppy, noisy kisses until Lance makes a boner joke. Uh, Bobby wants to look at his arm and moves the pillow that's under it to reveal the evil mutant cat has eaten two of his fingers off. <laughs> that bit is funny shit. Because like one, <laughs> like usually in these movies, they... They, you know, they know people there to see boobs and to like see monsters, right? Right. So they usually space their love scenes out, you know, or you know, shower sexy time or whatever. They space right. it out throughout the movie. This one's like, nah, we'll just save them for the like toward the end. Have two of them back to back, and then have a gross reveal at the end. And it's really good. Like that buildup was really good. It was like, this oh, man, is one I'm... of the best puppet shots in the entire movie, right here. It is. It's really great. Uh, it is is like some sauce, the sweet, you know. 
it's more sweeter than the other one. The other one was like pure, ooh, sexy time. This one's like kind of innocent. And then, yeah, pillow moves. Ah, you know, dun, 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 you know, three fingers missing shit. Right. Yeah. And it was, it's, it's a super simple gag. You know, he's just got, it's just got his, his last two fingers curled under. So he's making like a peace sign or Japanese totally, girl yeah. in any photo on, on social media. <laughs> and, yeah, and and to splash some blood on it, but I mean, it's it's done really well. Yeah, the pacing is really well. All the crappy puppet scenes in this movie, this one is the best. Yeah, this and Clue Gallagher spitting wine in that cat's face. <laughs> well, Lance's arm immediately starts mutating, and Lance runs out on deck. He is poisoned, and he's going to die. The poison's in his blood, so he's going to jump overboard. Corey and Bobby try to stop him, but he jumps anyway, and Bobby falls overboard with him. <laughs> it's like getting rid of two problems with one stone, man. Exactly. Well, Martin shit, and don't Corey, do me no yeah, Martin and Corey jump in and try to rescue him, but they they can't find him. Later that evening, they are sitting by the fireplace on the yacht. They were unable to rescue Lance or Bobby, so they're both gone now. Rachel says they're out of fresh water, so it's just champagne from here on out. Oh. They have been at sea two days, and they are running out of supplies. And Suzanne is hysterical. She thinks they're all going to die. Next day, they're still adrift. They're discussing letting Walter out of his room so he can help him hunt for the cat. And Rachel <laughs> is against it, but the guys want, want his help, so Rachel finally agrees. Suzanne is distraught and she won't help them. And Martin calms her down so that she can keep watch for the planes and the ships. Once she can decide, once she decides that she can blame Martin for bringing the cat on board, because after all, Martin's the one who said it was good luck to have a cat on board. Once she figures out she can decide, she can blame him instead of blaming herself, then then she's fine. She agrees to help at that point. (laughs) Also, like every time I literally stopped and said, every time it goes to the next day, yeah, uh, there's an establishing shot of a boat, and it's clearly a toy boat, right? Right. But at this part, it's like it seems like the toy boat is getting crappier looking, and I don't know if that's intentional. Yeah. If they like meant to say, yeah, they've been out here a long time, it's just done break down or what, or if it's like I don't know, just, you know, when they were at the marina, it was an actual an actual yacht. Yeah, with yeah, like they just, right there. Oh, look! There happens to be a yacht here. Let's get some some footage of that, and we can use it. And the rest of the time, the rest for the, out the rest of the movie, it's pretty much just a toy. And you really can't yes. tell it, but until this point, and then you're like, wait a second, hold on, that's just it a doesn't really necessarily problem. look like uh, it. I mean, it looks more real in the bright daylight. It's obviously a toy in the night shot. Oh, yeah. Now we're about to get to the part where it's like storming and shit. And that's, you're yeah. like, oh, my God, this is like filming somebody's kiddie pool in the backyard. <laughs> it sure was. <laughs> well, Walter and Corey are putting out bait for the cat. Corey gives Walter the gun so he can cover him if the cat jumps out at him. Rachel and Martin are getting food from the pantry. It is dry cornflakes and champagne for dinner. Breakfast a champion. There you go. Rachel invites Martin to her cabin for a midnight snack. Meanwhile, in the engine room. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't know. Shredded cheese, (laughs) baby. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it's a Graydon Clark movie, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the cheesiest, baby. Uh, in the engine room, Corey is checking his traps, but the cat knows the food is poison. And as Corey rounds a corner, the evil cat attacks, and Corey shoots holes in the engine and in the hull of the boat. He busts a steam pipe that literally burns his face off. That was a really good makeup. Yeah, I was about to say, oh, man, that was great. Also, the cat's so fucking, like, these guys don't stand a chance. Not only are they stranded now, but this guy doesn't even have a face. Right. Then we get to see the evil cat climb back into the fluffy cat's mouth as Corey dies. And it's like, you know, the point the puppet at the cat-shaped tote bag, and then the puppet tear reaches up and pulls the mouth open so, so that the yes. evil cat can go back in it. It's as, as, as awkward and disturbing as the first shot that they showed where the, the big head cat puppet yeah. went through. Yeah, it's... It's, it's obviously weird. felt. Yeah. But when the not- when the evil cat goes back in, the fluffy cat's eyes light up. That was interesting. That was fun. that was great. Yeah, I like that. that. In fact, uh, I think the original cover was yeah, yeah, just like glowing cat eyes in another cat's mouth. And then yeah. you know they originally changed it and shit. Well, we get another burial at sea. Walter decides he's taking the lifeboat and getting out of there, but Rachel tells him he won't last two days, so he gives up on that. Meanwhile, Martin and Rachel discover that the cat got into the pantry somehow and contaminated all of the food. All the food. I mean, he just fucked up a loaf of bread is what he did. <laughs> Suzanne, I mean, he treated that loaf of bread like it was the corner of a sofa. I'm pretty sure there's some soup or some SpaghettiOs somewhere in that fucking thing that that cat couldn't touch. I don't know. The cat ripped through the sheet metal to get into the pantry. True that. I didn't even think about that. He does have like two sets of teeth. Yeah. And titanium claws. Just like the new iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, they're going crazy for that iPhone. Man. Suzanne is convinced that they are all going to die. And later, Martin catches Suzanne sneaking into the pantry. She thinks Martin and Rachel are just hoarding all the food for themselves. But Martin chases her away. Next day, Martin and Rachel are still trying to get the engine started. Walter is sleeping and Suzanne doesn't care anymore. Rachel wakes him up and says, you're supposed to be looking for boats and planes. And Walter insults Rachel for being too dumb to know when to quit. He also (laughs) insults her dad, which gets him slapped for it. And when Rachel tries to run away from him, he trips her. And that causes her to drop the keys. Rachel doesn't notice that she dropped the keys when she leaves. Walter doesn't notice that she dropped the keys. Suzanne noticed that she dropped the keys, and she grabs him up and heads straight for the pantry. She eats the contaminated bread, which just tastes like bread, so she is absolutely convinced they were lying about the food being poisoned, and that's when she sees the cat and starts to freak out, but the poison is already starting to work on her, mutating her throat, causing it to swell up. We get a really nice latex bubble there at one point. Yeah. And then she falls dead in the doorway. (laughs) In the engine room, water is pouring in through a hole in the hull, and there's a storm coming. Out on the deck, the weather started getting rough. The tiny ship was tossed. Uh, If not for the courage of the fearless crew, 
check that because Rachel and Martin are loading supplies in the lifeboat and they're getting the fuck out. (laughs) (laughs) I swear to God, that looked like the opening credits of Gilligan's Island. It did like straight up the the (laughs) way. It's just like they got a fan on the uh, water that they're spraying on it. So it, yeah. Rains sideways and uh, fucking, yeah, they're completely sideways. It. It's horrible. And they're just like shaking it under the water. So it's like, ooh, 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 you know, oh, God, it's so stupid. <laughs> Walter went back to get his briefcases full of money and he brings two of them up to the boat and he's got to go back and get the third one. But the cat is in there. And water is all the way up to the top of the dresser. All the cat wants is to be rescued. And Walter says, fuck you to the cat. So evil cat emerges and attacks Walter and rips his throat out underwater. I want to make a point. Uh, the water by the hole where the water's coming in yeah. is like ankle deep. A little bit yeah. above ankle. Yeah, You get to where the cat's at, it's like almost, you know, the waist. Yes. I don't know how ships work, but I'm pretty sure that's fucked up continuity wise somewhere. I mean, that, that can, unless it's Alan, and it's just, it's, this whole boat's like a fucking nightmare. It's like the fucking uh, hotel in the shining. Yeah. Like, yeah. Rooms are where they're not supposed to be and shit. And like, where's this hallway go? I don't know. It's kind of like Sharknado where they were in a house that was completely flooded. They got out of the house and drove on dry land downhill from the house that was flooded. Yeah. Where the fuck is this house at? (laughs) Well, Martin and Rachel are ready to go. Rachel is going to go ahead and lower the boat and get out of there. Martin is going to go check on Walter. He finds Walter dead. So he goes back up and jumps overboard and gets into the lifeboat with Rachel. And they paddle away as the yacht sinks. Kind of sinks. Really, it's just somebody holding it up on end underwater a little bit. Yeah, no, this is like the complete opposite of that one scene in Titanic where it goes down. Yeah. Finally. Like, yeah, like that climactic, you know, and then bam. And then like, oh, it snaps in half and then it does its thing. And then this is not that. This is like someone yeah. like underwater, held the nose, built it slightly up and slowly <laughs> pulled it down. <laughs> So sad. In the life in the lifeboat, it's Martin and Rachel and two million dollars. And they think they can get enough. They've got enough money there to buy her a new boat and to pay for him to research biology or whatever. That's when the evil cat appears. Oh over man. the edge of the boat. This is the best part because it's like the scene in Jason, you know. Yeah. Uh but it's like they show the whole puppet this time. Which, I mean, right. they kind of did in that truck kill, but this one is like, they just throw the puppet at the guy with the rain going sideways. Yeah. He wrestles yeah, with it. just kind of launches just, at him. And then throws it back in the water real quick. Like, and that, get the get the psych, uh, they just came back at the last kill thing, and then they just throws it out of the boat. And this is the stupidest shit. Then he throws one of the suitcases of money at the cat. So, so the cat comes over. Of- yeah, the cat comes over the side of the of the boat. And they fight, and Walter or Martin throws it overboard. And she says, did it bite you? And he says, no, I think I'm okay. But look out, we're not done yet. And the cat comes back. 
and he throws it over and he says, look, he's going to keep coming as long as we're the only thing floating. So they get an idea and then he grabs one of the suitcases full of money. She tells him, hold on, dump the money out into this duffel bag first. So he does. And then they throw the briefcase overboard. It lands near the cat puppet. The cat climbs up onto it and and watches them as they drift away. Is the only thing that would have been worse is if the cat puppet had waved as they went away. Yeah, no, or put on sunglasses <laughs> and gave them the new birds or something. And and it's so stupid through this whole thing because they're in this lifeboat that's tilted at an angle, and you can tell there are people off camera just bouncing one side of it up and down just as fast yeah. as they can. And the fans are blowing the rain completely sideways. But these guys aren't getting wet, so it's like there's I don't know how that works. Yeah, it's like a, a small water hose. It's not like they got like a big fire hose and shit and blew it into the fan. It's <laughs> the smallest water hose imaginable. Yeah. Like one of those old canteens, you know, with the hoses. Kind of like it's kind of like a, a fire extinguisher, but it's like, like you know, serve coffee or water, you know? Like yep. one of those. Cut to an office in the Caymans. Martin and Rachel have been rescued. And they are talking to an officer who thinks their crazy story is just a result of being afraid. And they need to get some rest and relaxation. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. Uh, sorry you were on a boat with a bunch of crazy people and a dirty bastard was getting uh, investigated by the uh, FCC. Uh, keep the money and go have a vacation. It's on Exactly. What the fuck, man? He even offers to help them get in touch with family if they want to, and they are free to go with their duffel bag full of cash. No wonder people keep their money in the Cayman Islands. Yeah, no so questions asked. Meanwhile, on the beach, a briefcase has washed ashore, and there's a black cat burying something in the sand. Everybody knows that's a turd. Don't pretend yeah. it's not a turd. A boy appears and picks up the cat, freeze frame, fade to black, Roll credits. So the cat's black now? What is that? Yeah, the cat's black now. I guess, you know, it left the orange cat behind on the sinking ship, so it had to find another cat to crawl inside, maybe? Uh, yeah, I guess the, the uninvited is actually the, the little cat inside the bigger cat. And I, I guess. Know, this fucking crazy, dude. <laughs> and it's over. Or is it? Is it? Freeze frame. <laughs> credits. Oh, man, that was fun. Seriously, if it's just a, bu a bunch of friends who make movies because it's fun and they can do it. Yeah, I mean, like, not everybody's going to be a star. And so if you're in the business and you got a bunch of friends that are in the business, get your friends yeah. together, get a paycheck, you know, go out on a boat for a weekend. Yeah, exactly. Do it. That, I mean, it's just like a bunch of guys going together and, and building a bike ramp. That's all it is. Yeah. Man, oh man. All right, man, I think that's a podcast. Oh, yeah. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We had a lot of fun making it. Be sure to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you hear us. You can follow CDF Pod on Facebook and Instagram or at CDF underscore pod on Twitter. You can also visit our website at cdfpod.com. And don't forget you can help us make donations to film schools all across the country by going to patreon.com slash cdfpod. 
Join us next time as we explore another movie so awesome it probably shouldn't have been made.